Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 575 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. 575. Isn't that an anniversary somehow? Uh, anything that ends with a five and is divisible by five and begins with a five, I assume, is some sort of thing that we could charge double for the the uh, episode. Ah, yes. Charge double for the free episode. Sounds good. Right. That's my that's my logic. Yes. So I sit here and, you know, soon to be named network Lamborghini comic or of uh, podcast networks, Longbox Heroes, uh, Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. What is After Dark the Lamborghini of? Oh, I almost cursed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's the bleeping around show. Oh, the Lamborghini of messing around shows? Yes, yes. I'm going to run that by the writing team to see if they can come up with something better. See, I know that's kind of always what we call it because off mic, we're always like, oh, it's the main show. And then like, you know, it started out as the bleeping around show. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, in my mind, like whenever I explain it to like somebody I know, that's the way I explain it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's all the stuff we, we discussed, you know, beforehand. And this it's, it's the stuff that we can discuss on on mic before the show. And I think we've we 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 talked about that before, where uh, what we talk about off mic became after dark. So then we had to talk about like more stuff off mic, so that there would be a thing that we talk about off mic on both shows. Right. Yep. It's crazy. And I like that there's narratives in regards to uh, your wall and my pool and my pipes and now my face that are more <laughs> or less exclusive to the uh, after dark canon. And every the, once in a while, they dribble in here. Your face? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's going to be a little bit of a different show, uh, only because there was literally no news. And I think the reason that there's no news is because New- it's New York Comic Con this weekend, and I have a right. feeling there's going to be at least one big announcement. Right. Uh, not to say that there's not other conventions going on, uh, not to say that there's not digital sales going on, uh, not to say that we don't have Todd and Joe have issues, and of course TV talk, uh, discussing the latest episodes of Stargirl and Why the Last Man, uh, but to restructure things, we're going to kick things off with what we read this past week. Right, and I will go first with the choice I had, which was Deathstroke, Inc., number one, written by Joshua Williamson and art by Howard Porter. Um, basically, this issue starts out with a, a character. I'm on the. Uh, it's been publicized that she's undercover. We don't know who she is at this time in the story, but it's Black Canary, and she's infiltrating this little town. Um, to look around because she feels that there's something going on there. And she's working for Trust, which is the Transparent Researchers United for Strategy and Technology, um, which I've never heard of, so I'm guessing they're new. And their uh, their tech guy is Hiro Okaruma, which is a.k.a. Toy Man 2.0, Joe. And I remember him from Superman. Right, right. And then there's a Juliet Ballantyne, and she's the director. And they're telling her to look into it because they believe it is a hive um, 
like you know one of those towns like in Russia, like where they built it to look like America, so they could like a sleeper town. Yeah. Um, they think this is a hive sleeper town where they're like you know doing stuff, and um, some you know uh, creatures show up and they call in the backup, and this Batmobile like car shows up, and it's not Batman, it's Deathstroke, and he ends up like you know taking a gun to the to the town to help this person who turns out to be Black Canary. And they realize that it definitely is a hive town because these uh, these people are overtaken by these like insects that are coming out of their mouth to attack them. And then they turn into these empty husks. And they're like, yes, we have to figure out what's going on. So Deathstroke and uh, uh, Black Canary go and take down the leader kind of a deal. That's the basic gist of the story. And along the way, we find out people's uh, we find out Black Canary's reason for joining, which is really simple. It's just like this new group. We have kind of like the Bat family's like kind of go see what's going on. And then Deathstrokes tells the reason that he's doing it. I'm not going to get into it. But maybe I believe you can't trust his reason. He's maybe being earnest. But I'm like, I think that's all BS. Um, and in the end, it's uh, kind of like the uh, the CEO of the group is kind of like, okay, we're well on track. We ca- caught who we needed. Um, but... Uh, this seems to be a ruse by her maybe to bring like to do things, to bring the heroes in line to get on her page, but we're not really sure if she's good or bad yet. Um, I enjoyed this issue. It wasn't amazing. And I don't like whenever they try to make Deathstroke like a hero kind of a deal. Even in this, he's like, I've done bad things, but I'm you know trying to turn things around. I'm like, I don't know if I believe you, but I'm still like, he's a tough, you know, nut to, to make a good guy, but uh, because it's Joshua Williams and I loved his flash run, I'm going to give it a, you know, a couple more issues, but it was an interesting start, but not an amazing start. Yeah. So like I said, the creative team sounds great. The premise sounds great. The characters involved sound great, but I don't know. There's just something about it. Like unless Deathstroke is like even Deathstroke involved with, Batman or the Justice League or something doesn't really hit the right way for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he works better working with or against Titans people. Right. I, I agree. Um, But he's become so big that he's one of those villains that everybody loves to poach. Yeah, he's... And again, this is heaping mountains of praise on Deathstroke. But uh, it's not the same, but you get where I'm coming from. He's kind of like a Doctor Doom of DC, where he kind of is a DC Universe villain, but Mm -hmm. he works best as a Titans villain, as opposed to like, you know, Doctor Doom is technically a Marvel villain, but he works the best as a Spider-Man villain, and then secondly, a Fantastic Four villain. (laughs) Oh my god, this (laughs) almost became a cussing show again. Um, But no, I, I get you, and... Um, what I was trying to say is it's tough to give uh, Deathstroke a redemption arc, but I couldn't think of the words. But I'm with you, and I think he does work best as a Titans villain, but I think he's been co-opted even more than a DC Universe villain, a Batman villain. He seems to be like, because more often than not, he shows up somehow like squaring off against Batman. And even when he is the overall arcing villain for like the whole universe, it's like, Oh, well we'll go, I'll do this. And Batman will go toe to toe with Destro. So I don't know. I get what you're saying. Right. I'll never forget. Like what was it during uh identity crisis 
where it wasn't like the big guns, but it was like the step below the big guns. Mm-hmm. When Deathstroke took like out seven members of the Justice League by himself. And the Flash, because he was like, I did all this just so I could put my sword here that he'll run into it. Yeah, and, and I was like, like uh... I get what you're trying to do. I get you're trying to like make Deathstroke the villain equivalent of Batman, mm-hmm. but I ain't buying it. Oh, well, that's the thing, too, because um, I find it interesting. At the end of this issue, I didn't bring it up. They do that up upcoming in the next year of uh, Deathstroke, Inc. They do the, like, remember Jeff Johns used to do it? And it yeah. was three of the three little things and it's like oh like one of them is deathstroke yelling i hate uh, outer space you know so obviously they go to outer space and then there's another one where he's fighting robin um and uh the damien robin he's like you've killed him uh but then there's one where black canary and deathstroke are going to the crooked house and they're like if we don't go in there we're dead slayed so i'm like oh they're they're going to prometheus's house and i'm like you know what and even in my mind i was like that's that's the character that should be batman's alter like you know bizarro whatever you want to call it not deathstroke i always felt prometheus had more of that i'm prepared for anything uh more so than uh, deathstroke yeah but didn't they like mess up his origin like they jumped like they brought him in so he he was introduced behind i think like a wizard create the villain sort of thing Mm mm-hmm or create the hero sort of thing, and then he immediately kills that guy off in the one issue that he debuts in, and then he was set up where he, like, he has the little uh, mini-discs that he puts into his helmet, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. That he's able to take everyone down with, and then he does a good job taking on the Justice League, like the Morrison-era Justice League, and then the next time that we see him, he's completely jobbed out. Mm -hmm. Then they did those Legacy of Villains or Legacy of Evil one-shots. Oh, weren't they New Year's Evil? New Year's Evil, that's what it was. Yep, great name. Where, where we learned that the the Prometheus that was in the Justice League was someone pretending to be the actual real Prometheus. And the real Prometheus comes and beats the snot out of that guy, and then nothing ever really happened with the character. Right, and then at some point in there, in the alternate dimension where the Crooked House was, D- Prometheus ended up dying there, because I remember them going and find Maybe it was the, uh, the fake... Uh, undertaker prometheus um it was uh, like he died because the corpse was there and i'm like i don't know it goes it goes really sideways but that was one of those characters that i felt had potential to be the big villain and like i guess just people like the look of death and he has an eye patch what you know that's always cool joe right injury to the face it's always good and he's got the oh <laughs> and he and he's got the buccaneer boots oh. and the chain mail Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the other thing that doesn't make him exactly like uh, Deadpool? Well, I think he has the white goatee, so that, you know. There was a third thing. Oh, I don't know. There's there's three things that make him not like Deadpool, but 70 that make him like oh, Deadpool. Oh, that is uh, Slade Wilson and Wade Wilson. Right. Right. Comple- two completely different characters. No confusion in the marketplace whatsoever. Right. Okay. So... Uh, my book I was most looking forward to coming out this week was Amazing Spider-Man number 74, uh, written by Nick Spencer with help from Christos Gage, uh, with art by Mark Bagley and a bunch of other folks, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Todd, I'm going to read to you and the listeners <laughs> uh, that masthead part where it kind of catches you up on stuff. 
Yes, yes. Uh, only because last week I picked this book as the book I was most looking forward to reading. Because I had read issue 73, and I'm like, hmm. So, uh, cat's out of the bag, let's get into it. Uh, the mysterious villain Kindred turned out to be the mysterious villain's Kindred. As they revealed themselves to be Sarah and Gabriel Stacy. The children of, well, it turns out that long before turning himself into the Green Goblin, Norman Osborn made a deal with Mephisto. Success and notoriety in return for the soul of his young son, Harry. The deal led to tragedy for the Osborn family and so many others. Not, not only did Harry make a plan to torture Peter, Peter Parker with life model decoys of his parents, but Harry also made a plan to torture Peter, Mary Jane, and Norman with biological creations that they all believed to be Norman and Gwen Stacy's children. This last plan, with some more help from Mephisto, has taken a life of its own. Now, Mephisto and Doctor Strange, observing from Las Vegas, it's time for the plan to come together. Sounds easy. Todd. Yes. The... We are currently reading through the Spider-Clone saga, right? Right. And I always like to say the much maligned Spider-Clone saga. The wrongfully maligned Spider-Clone saga. The maybe this month's offering maligned Spider-Clone saga. <laughs> right. But when we look at bad stories that did damage to Spider-Man, number one and number two of the bullet are... Uh, Sins Past, which I, you know, oh, I'm saying it one time here. The super fast ninja aging kids of Norman Osborn and Gwen Stacy. And One More Day. Mm -hmm. Where Peter makes the deal with Mephisto to save Aunt May's life. And in turn, Mephisto makes everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and undoes and does the, the wedding, the marriage with Mary Jane, right? Right. Number one and number two to bullet. Nick Spencer has been on the Amazing Spider-Man book for a very long time. Three years, I think? More than that, I'd say. Um, okay. Boy, let me... Again, we're talking about it. Um, yeah, you're right. Three years. Because I, I read in the back when they said thanks. It was like, Nick Spencer's been on this book three years. Feels a lot longer, but go ahead. Okay, so in three years, he got out 74 issues of Amazing Spider-Man... Plus multiple, like, dot something, point something, one right. specials. I bet you if you lined everything up, there was, like, over 100 issues in those three years. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of issues for a story. Nick Spencer's goal, his thing to do on this book, has been to fix those two stories. The Super Fast Ninja Aging Kids and the One More Day story. Right. I enjoyed this run because I'm a Spider-Man fan, Spider-Man apologist, if you will. Um, but I say those stories don't need to be fixed. Those stories need to be ignored and <laughs> never brought up again. Right. And by I'll... Nick Spencer attempting to fix those stories, he's brought them back up into the forefront of people's consciousness and memories again. Right. Everybody go out and buy those trades. 
Or at least go see what he tried to fix. No, I know. I get what you're saying. Or whatever. So I would say Nick Spencer's heart was in the right place with this. But the last three years, 100 plus issues, whatever it ends up being, it was sadly a waste of time. No, it wasn't. It got rid of the super aging ninja kids. I got rid of the super fast aging ninja kids, Todd. You know how? Hmm. By never buying those issues, never acknowledging that they exist, and ignoring them, just like many other writers before them had ignored them even coming up. Right. But didn't you buy the issues back in the day? I bought... No, no, no. So, I'm reading Amazing Spider-Man, and then they start doing these teases, right, of like Hmm. these people that have like reflexes just as fast as Peter. And Peter's spider senses can't pick them up for some reason. And there's a couple issues of like those teases of like, who are these people that are following Peter? And then we get to the end of an issue where they take off their hoods and they're meant to look there. The cliffhanger of it is, is to make us believe that it's Gwen Stacy and and Norman Osborn, because that's what they look like. Right. And at that point I say, What's going on here? So <laughs> I went and I read like uh, James Straczynski, like he did like some interview or a podcast or whatever it was discussing what his plan was going to be for these books. And I said at that point, I go, I'm done. I don't need to read the rest of this storyline. We don't need to be going down this road. This is bad. Let me know when Straczynski's off the book and I'll come right back onto Amazing Spider-Man. So you don't have sins, whatever, in one nope. more day. I have, a, oh. I have a hole in my Amazing Spider-Man collection because of mm. this storyline. I don't even want to own those issues. Oh, Christmas is coming up. Oh, well, yeah. my garbage can is right here. <laughs> but, see, I, I actually read the story. Yeah. And it was very confusing. One, because uh, uh, Harry was a clone, so that always was nice. I didn't understand that, and there was a corpse and whatever. And but uh, I thought it was a very well done issue. If you like the story, the fight, whatever was was fun. And but I didn't understand what was going on. And I was like, in the end, I'm I'm kind of with you on the ignore it. It's the whole Dan Didio thing where somebody once asked him, was like, hey, when did when did uh, Maxwell Lord stop being a cyborg or half like you know a robot like with skin over it? And he's like, did you like the story? No, then neither did we. So we just ignored it. And yeah. I'm fine with that. But I felt that this was a an okay story. So if it gets rid of it and, you know, whatever, brought it back to attention one more day, blah, blah, blah. It's over now and we never have to revisit it until the copyrights are up again. Right. Now, did you read the backup feature, the second feature that's leading into the new story arc of Amazing wow. Spider-Man? I did, but I'd rather talk about for a second. The Christos Gage story was amazing. Okay. Where he where he goes to the grave to talk to yeah. where Peter goes to the grave. And the guy shows up and he's like, How how Uncle Ben? Because there's like, you know, especially since we've been reading Spider Clone Saga, there's been that those past, like there was that one where Ben goes to the grave and somebody just happens to meet him there. And then it's like, oh, I knew your, you knew your uncle Ben and you know, blah, blah, blah. And he ends up helping them or it was Peter. It doesn't matter, but you get what I'm saying. Um, this story was that story, but done right. 
Um, and I really, and it was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And the whole swing on responsibility where Peter starts questioning himself, where he's like, does it mean I should have, you know, cause he's like, does it mean I should have been more responsible in my life and went forward? And then in the end, they just go, no, if you can help, you help. And I'm like, this is a superhero story. This is what Spider-Man is. This is what I really like. Um, and so I really like that story. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. And then we can get to the to the final, final story. No, it was good. Okay. But yeah, I did read the lead-in, which I believe was by Zeb Wells, to go into the next one. Is yes. this... That was that girl, that character that Ben was running around with in the past life. Yes. Okay. See, I she th- she said her name, and then she had like ten aliases. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, and she's on, she's in prison for murder or something. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is how the clone saga is gonna end. Does she murder Ben or whatever? I don't know. Um, but I read it, and it was like, oh, okay, we're gonna you know, lead into uh, Spider-Man 75, which is a anniversary issue. So pay a lot of money. <laughs> well, it's the launch of the new creative team. Teams. Uh. Right. Teams, plural. But it's right. also like the return of like a lot more spider clone stuff is popping up, you know? Right. As we kill off the Harry clone, here comes send in the clones, Joe. Yeah, that's all. I don't know. Right. You know, um, Again, Nick Spencer's heart was in the right place, but, you know, it's, some stories I, are best left ignored. I think he stuck the landing. Okay, time will tell. Mm-hmm. There's still two issues of The Fix that aren't out yet. <laughs> right. Oh, I saw Steve Lieber, uh, Lieber right, uh, did, uh, putting up pictures of beagles that he had met, and then he was doing showing uh, uh, pictures of drawn pretzels from past issues, and I was like, bring back The Fix. Like... Don't put pictures of pretzels out there if you're not going to bring back the fix. But maybe it'll come back on Substack if we're lucky. We could only be so lucky. (laughs) Right. Those are ones that are still... No, did I take them off my list? (gasps) I took them off my list. I almost swore. Uh, (laughs) I think once it got to like three years, I had to take them off my list. Well, it could come back any day now. Right, that and Saga, the fixed and Saga are going to come back the same week. Well, so that's the thing. Those issues of Saga never got solicited, but there were certainly two more issues of the fix oh. that were solicited. It had like Diamond order numbers, you know. Right, any day now. Yeah. If Diamond delivers the books, you know. I still got the last uh, six issues of Doomsday Clock and uh, Snake Eyes Dead Game on my list. Mm, do you have uh, Inferior Five trade paperback on that list? It's allegedly coming out next week, Todd. Mmm, okay. Allegedly. I think we had a bet about that. I don't remember. I vaguely remember it, but... Yes. So that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them delivered to your home, whether you wait for them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, we are currently knotted up at 24 correct guesses each. Uh, I am going to just go and say the book that Todd is most looking forward to coming out this week is Nice House on the Lake number five. It is Nice House on the Lake number five. 
I thought maybe you go for Billy the Kit, but uh, and you didn't even ask about Darkhold Alpha, so. Uh yeah, that just that just that just rang to me like something I don't I don't want to know about. But Billy the Kit, uh, you know, I thought it was something about uh, William Zabka and uh, Knight Rider or something. <laughs> right, right. I'm looking at your list, and I am 100% torn, 50-50. So I'm going to go for the outside shot and be wrong and say, are you looking forward to uh, Amazing Spider-Man 75? You would be wrong. It would be Nice House on the Lake, Thieve? Yes, sir. Uh, As much as I'm looking forward to uh, what is next for Amazing Spider-Man, it's the unknown as opposed to Nice House on the Lake. That issue four was so strong. Mm Mm-hmm so strong and i can't wait to see what happens next and then we only got one more issue of this before it goes on the always planned nine month hiatus right and comes back on Substack. did better you not. know did you know Longbox hero is going to be on Substack pretty soon better not be i'm working i'm working a deal behind your back i'm going into business for myself uh, joe give me the michael jordan of Substack collecting <laughs> yes i am so there are conventions this weekend, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, uh, but there's a bunch of smaller ones. I'm surprised how many uh, conventions there are. I think the convention world is still trying to regain its footing. Uh, it used to be whenever there'd be the biggie, everyone mm-hmm. else would kind of sit out. Um, but there's a bunch, like I said, in uh, Tacoma, Washington is the Grit City Comic Con. Ooh. And uh, Jeff Parker is going to be there. Uh, There's the Big Texas Comic-Con in San Antonio, Texas. Jim Starlin, Scott Hanna, uh, Kurt Kurt Angle is going to be there. And uh, Martin Cove, uh, Sensei Kreese from the Karate Kid films is going to be there. Right. He was, I get my Cagney and Lacey box set signed. Oh. Well, uh, you can certainly go to the Alabama Comic-Con in Birmingham, Alabama. Not sure what comic folks are going to be there. But uh, Sting, the icon, the vigilante, uh, is going to be there. Booker T is going to be there. And Britt Baker is going to be there. Ooh. Uh, But obviously, Biggie this week is New York Comic-Con is back. Uh, Starts Thursday, runs the whole week. Uh, comic book folks being there, Donnie Cates, James Tinian, the Rob is going to be there. You know, we missed our opportunity to meet the Rob in New York a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Now we have another opportunity to do so. <laughs> There's that word again. Certainly. Uh, George Takei is going to be there. William Shatner is going to be there. And Todd, more professional wrestling athletes than you could shake a stick at. Oh, and I like to shake sticks at wrestlers. John Cena is going to be there. Jake the Snake Roberts is going to be there. Jerry the King Lawler. Jim Ross. RVD. Ted DiBiase. The Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. The Toy Boys themselves are going to be there. With oh. not one, but two exclusive prints. Oh. And an exclusive shirt. Oh, you know what? I'll take, if there's two prints, I'll take two of each. Yes. Oh, and I, I would do the same thing that you would do. Uh, <laughs> frame one and flip the other, right? Right, right. Uh, but then Todd pointed out to me that a bunch of AEW folks are going to be doing signing there that weren't on, like, the main uh, guest pages, including uh, Orange Cassidy is going to be there and Eddie Kingston is going to be there. 
Wow. I'm hoping they're getting that big cut of the, the gate, Joe. Uh, I don't know how New York works. I don't know how this deal works. This feels like a non-sting deal. <laughs> right. So I, I, I'm sure the, the gang are being paid handsomely, you know? Right. They didn't get stung is what you're saying. But yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I was hoping uh, Skinny Jeans was going to be there. Mm. That would have been great. Is it on the guest list? I don't think so, but Darby Allen's going to be there, so. Uh, he might be. Sl- yeah. The sad part is I know who that is, so. That's right. That's two I, I did save one person on the list. Who? Brian K. Vaughn's going to be here, Todd. Oh, what if he's got something to announce? R- Todd, that's exactly what I'm hoping. I've got my hopes way up for this. Mm-hmm. I usually don't do this sort of things. I usually try to be low key and mm-hmm. play things to my vest. But I'm like, there's been no news this week. Brian K. Vaughn's going to be at New York Comic Con. He recently teased that he has some sort of announcement. Uh, I think it was two months ago. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's obviously announcing the return of Saga at New York Comic Con this week. Uh, see, I firmly believe, once again, it will be uh, announced by Fiona Staples in a YouTube chat room. But I'm just going to tell you this. If he doesn't announce it at New York, yes. he's going to he's gonna be at Baltimore, which I'm going to. Oh, and baby. I'm just going to yank him over the table and tell me. Tell, just yell at him. Tell me when it's coming back. I, I'll get one good one in, you know, and <laughs> see, like, do a good shaking before, like, security grabs me and see if he'll answer me. Right. So I'm hoping he I hope he does too, but I think it'll probably have something to do with why the last man. And who knows, maybe Paper Girls is gonna be a TV show. Oh boy. Uh but DC Fandome is also this weekend. They're like worldwide internet only exclusive convention deal. Yeah, fandom. Wait a minute. That sounds like fandom. I wonder if they planned that. I think the big announcements that we're going to get out of that is an official date of the Peacemaker movie or TV show, rather. Oh, and probably whatever, like the next line of movie schedule is going to be like, we're probably going to get some sort of new trailer. We're going to get some sort of new announcement on the movie side. I have a feeling very little comic stuff is going to come out of uh, DC fandom. I agree, but we already have a date for the Peacemaker TV show. Oh, we do. Yeah. It's in the email. Sent it to you a while back. You put it in the email every week. It's November something. I don't have it right in front of me. Peacemaker. I don't recall you sending that to me. The I remember you sending me. Uh, you sent me the Boba Fett. Right, right. I'm looking in the I email right now because I sent me the Peacemaker. Oh, maybe I didn't. Okay. If you have information re- about the Peacemaker uh, release date. Let me know. Um, it is definitely November. They don't have a day. So it's got to be one of the weeks that they, they release stuff. Okay. It's November. That they did say. That's why I was confused. It's one of the days they release stuff. It's, Whatever one, day. Of the 30, it's one of the 30 days in November. No, because they release everything on, this, on one day a week. So it could only be four or slash five days in the month of November. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but they could, like, switch things up just to be cute, you know? Right, right. So, yeah, maybe they will. Um, we can edit all this out. Um, bring Tone Maker, here I come. But, uh, yeah, like, they'll maybe announce something with that. And I probably have another James Gunn project in the, yeah. in the hopper after uh, he does Guardians of the Galaxy and the, and the holiday special. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, like I said, the links to all the conventions and stuff are in the show notes, uh, as well as soon to be named network, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. All the shows in the network, anytime you want to find them. You don't trust podcatchers. I know I don't. Hmm. Uh, you don't want to miss an episode of this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, at odds with wrestling. We need wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments. Hit my music, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, and anytime any of those folks from those shows go on other shows, we make sure to put them over at soontobenamednetwork.com. Uh, be sure to check out uh, our friend Kevin's site, Masked Library. I know he just put up a video recently of his tour of the floor at RetroCon from a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop. All those cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter. Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Both of those uh, are available on Comixology. Both of those are listeners of this show that actually went out and made their own actual comic books. Uh, So that's really cool. Uh, Speaking of comic books, if you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, check out our comic book store, Comics on the Green. Their Facebook presence, except for that one day where there wasn't Facebook for a couple (laughs) hours. Uh, That's where Dave, Max, and the rest of the gang put up their updates, information, coming titles. Uh, You can also find out and get their mail order subscription sent to you, whether you get it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, however it is. Uh, they do a great job. And if you're getting stuff mailed to you, there's a chance that you might get a sketch from our friend Becky, who does her own commissions, and you can check out her work and her progress over on her social media. All of that stuff is linked up in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Digital sales this week, if that's more your speed, there's a ton. We're getting into the spooky season. So we're getting a lot of spooky-related stuff. Uh, The Dynamite has uh, Army of Darkness and Undead stuff. They also have Vampirella stuff on sale. Uh, Dark Horse has just a generic Halloween sale. Uh, Marvel has Marvel Knights, X-Men Solo Series, Ben Riley, Venom and Carnage stuff all on sale. If you're going to check out something that you haven't checked out before in that X-Men Solo Series stuff is the Greg Rucka Cyclops miniseries that he did a couple years ago. Right. That was really good. Wasn't that an ongoing that he left very early? Uh, so it ended up being, I think, like, 12 issues in total. Like, he did the first five or six, and somebody right. else did the next six. That's what I thought, but I was like, I didn't think it was a miniseries. But anyway. Uh, I'm calling it a miniseries because you're just getting the Greg Rocket issues, right? Right, and what a great... That was one of them that, that was sad ended quickly. Right. Uh, IDW has My Little Pony stuff on sale. Image has a fall reading sale, which, again, a generic catch-all and dc has road to fandom sale which is like everything right right so like i said if you're a digital person the links to all that will be in the show notes here as well um hey todd let's get into todd and joe have issues right where would you like to start typically uh we'll start with me since i'm the one who started the show that's typically how this would go uh i've got jonah hex number 52 Yes. Uh, this story, and again, excuse me, uh, written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. I didn't do the whole walk up for Todd and Joe of issues. It's Jonah Hex. It's the Spider Clone Saga. Todd loves the Spider Clone Saga. Mm. So the artist on this, Jordy Bernay, the title of the story is Too Mean to Die. 
so Jonah Hex comes upon a house in the middle of nowhere. There's a woman uh, by the name of Maisie Ray, which sounds fake and made up. Uh, and her baby, Jonah, comes in. He has been shot in the gut. Uh, he's like, I'm unarmed. I don't mean you any harm. I just need somewhere safe uh, to be. Uh, and I can kind of walk you through on how to get the bullet out of me and stitch me up. She's like, uh, I can kind of sort of do this, but I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, as bad as a person Jonah is, he always got some charm with the ladies when he wants to. Right. And uh, no charm with anyone when he doesn't want when he definitely wants to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, uh, wants to know how this happened to him. And he's like, oh, well, that's not really important. She, he- she fixes him, offers him something to eat. And it's like a man, uh, like you must have tons of stories. And he's like, well, I'll tell you how I got into this predicament. Right. Mm-hmm. So Jonah's doing whatever it is that he's doing. Uh, and some kid shoots him. Right. And, uh, a glancing blow, but enough to uh, hinder Jonah. Uh, the kid comes upon Jonah. They get into a scuffle. Jonah brains the kid with a rock. So the kid's keepers, parents, relatives, whatever, uh, find the kid brained, and they are hot on Jonah's trail, all kind of trash-talking him the whole time. <laughs> like, oh, you sent your horse ahead to think that we wouldn't notice what way the blood was going. That's a lame trick. Or, oh, you're in the water, huh? Well, the crocodiles will get you before we get you, so uh, have fun bleeding out in there. Um, so she she hears this tale, and she's like, well, they're obviously still hot on your trail. You need to get out of here. He goes to leave. They're on the doorstep. Uh, and it turns out that these people are nowhere. You're like, they're, they're terrible. They're like going to take the woman. They're going to take the baby. Uh, the woman pulls a gun on the one after Jonah has shot the other two in the head. And, uh, Jonah's like, listen, you need to let the baby go or you're going to die. And the guy's like, well, I'm going to die either way. So I'll kill this baby. And Jonah's like, you ain't going to kill this baby. I I know you, I know what you're going to do. You're not going to kill this baby. Uh, him and Maisie Ray get into a a scuffle. And if you ask me, this was an intentional scuffle that Jonah kind of partook in. To uh, lure the guy into like a false sense of security so Jonah could hit the trigger and blow the guy's head off. Jonah gives this woman the advice. It's like when people come to your house with bad intention, you don't shoot to maim, you shoot to kill. Uh, And she kind of is like, well, Jonah, you're a bad person. But she's like, I'm pretty much a bad person. And is it intimated that like these are her family and that's why she's out in the middle of nowhere? Oh, yes. Well, they, it is definitely a family. Jonah puts it together. He's like, because she's like, oh, you mess with these people. They're crazy. Um, and I want you out of here because when they get here, they're going to hurt me. And they show up and he ends up killing them. And then uh, in front of her, he kills that guy. And she goes, you shot my. And he's like, basically tells him the whole thing about if somebody comes in your house, you kill him. So he's implying like, oh, you just wounded him because he, you know, he he was in your house, this and that. And he's he's like. But these mad dogs live on the edge of the swamp where you live and they never bother you and you don't have to worry about them and this and that. And she's like, and he basically says, well, I'm going to go and I'll leave you to bury your kin. And it's just like all these like things that he, that he says that make you go. Yeah. That like, why would a beautiful woman with all these dirt bags, you know what I mean? Be un, unmolested in the swamp. And yeah, so that's pretty much the story. And that's why he says, I know you ain't going to kill the kid. 
because he knows that the kids he that that it's their family and they don't think he knows. You know what I mean? Like so, a lot of clues basically. Right, but I, I did like how they just didn't come right out and say it and like make it this whole big accusatory thing of like, I know you and you know them and so on and so forth. They give you the pieces, either you figure it out or you don't figure it out. Right, right. Um, and I do like the line where they're like, he goes in, he, he uh, just before he kills the first two, he tells the guy, "You're going to hell without a face." A face but uh he also says it to the other guys like same to you and just basically you know just blows their face off so uh good stuff yeah it was a fun issue uh i do feel as though uh this definitely might have been two stories put into one mm-hmm. in that i felt as though like there's two good ideas here with the woman and the family and maybe night uh, or uh, Pamiotti and Gray couldn't figure out how to like flesh them out to be individual stories. So it's like we have these two ideas. Let's kind of work them together. Maybe I just feel it was all one story, you know. Yeah, just a, just a thought. Okay, fair enough. Um, so my issue to read was the Spectacular Spider-Man two thirty. Um, basically the the Kalen brothers, Hank and Davey. Uh, in a flashback, go out to the Sanders Chemical Corporation. They're like uh, environmental consultants to show them how to, you know, like get up to code kind of a deal. And uh, the the boss was like, yeah, okay, you you know, that's enough. They're like, no, we got to go out in the grounds. They go out in the grounds. They find a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, chemicals just spilled in a lake or whatever. And when they turn over the chemicals, as you do, uh, when you're in, you know, deadly, you know, uh, chemicals in a swamp, there's a bomb blows up. Uh, they're dead forever. So uh, we cut to Ben doing his Spider-Man stuff uh, with his spider webbing that uh, isn't made of toothpaste and peanut butter. So this is the good stuff. Um, and he comes along and finds this muck monster destroying things. Uh Basically, that's the, the the thing. He follows him to another place of the uh, the the Sanders guy, um, and he stops him from killing Sanders. He figures out that he's one of the the two guys. Uh, it's Davy Kalen, so his initials are DK, and that's what his name is going to be, DK. Um, even though he has all this evidence, he's still going to kill the guy. Uh, ben talks him out of it, and in the end, sends DK to Ravencroft to get help. Uh, side note: While there's going on, the lady that Ben works, her kids watching TV and being mesmerized, and I wonder if that can have anything to do with Mysterio, Joe. Uh, that's basically the nuts and bolts of the story. wasn't very good. Uh, it was just a story, if you will. With I believe probably I don't know maybe he comes back, but definitely DK feels like a throwaway villain. Okay, I was gonna ask: Is this Wild Whip or more than Wild Whip? This is less than Wild Whip because Wild Whip's a legend, Joe. No, no, you get what I'm saying. Wild Whip has their one appearance, right? Right. So does DK have one appearance? So it's Wild Whip equivalent, or does it have more than one appearance? That means more than Wild Whip. I have a feeling DK might come back for one more. He's not a Fire Fist or a Wild Whip. 
does come back for one more appearance, a three-issue arc in Sensational, well after we're going to be done with the Spider-Clone side. Oh, no! I'll never <laughs> find out how the DK story ends. I'm so sad, Joe. But, but yeah, you know what I mean. This is just... An, uh, this is a story. Is it a complete story? Does it have everything there? Yes, but it's... It's just a ripoff of every shambling swamp monster story I've ever read. Yeah. It's nothing new. I think, and again, I'll just throw this out there. I think they could have gotten a little miles out of this by, um, let's say, having both the brothers are the one muck monster. I actually thought that was the way they were going at first. Yeah. Like that there was going to be two muck monsters running around um, or they were both in the body or something like yeah. that. They, they firestorm merged, whatever. But in the end I was like, wow. Like, and, and even, even the name Sanders, it reminds me of, I can't remember the name. It's like Saunders in swamp thing. The company that, you know, did the anatomy? I'm like, there's so much here that just feels like a really terrible Swamp Thing story. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, next week, and again, these these four issues were just like, hey, here's the beginning of the new Ben Riley run. Let's give you a feel for what each of these four different Spider-Man books are going to be. Now we're jumping right into it. We jump a month ahead. We got two issues to read next week. Spectacular Spider-Man 231 and Sensational Spider-Man number two, uh, where it's the return of Kane. What? I thought he was, wasn't he dead? Come on, Todd. No one's ever dead when it comes to a Spider-Man story. Oh, right. And and, and, I thought we were done with clones. Oh, my God. Never. Never. It never stops. It never stops. And then we have one issue, and then was it 50... Now, according to this, right, and then we have two issues of Jonah Hex next week, 53 and 54, right? Uh, I don't have my list right in front of me, but if that's what it says, yes, because I have probably had a double up at some point. Yeah, yeah. You know what so, I mean? this is, so this is actually where you do start doubling up, um, where we get double up, double up, and then that no way back graphic novel. What that's a quadruple up. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a, I don't know how many page, uh, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's 53 and 54 for Jonah Hex, and uh, like I said, Sensational Spider-Man 231, uh, or I'm sorry, Spectacular 231, Sensational 2. Too bad we couldn't have doubled up this week, Joe. With no news, but how did we know there'd be no news? Right, exactly. We need to plan the light, we, we need to plan the world better. We do, we do. Uh, so what else do we have? Hey, while you're over at Longbox Heroes, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done. Past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, be sure to check out our store where you can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, you can head over to our T Public store, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, where you can get designs inspired by this show, After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, At Oz with Wrestling, Hit My Music, uh, all uh, on anything from cell phone covers to notebooks to throw pillows and the sales next week. So by then, we'll remind you then. Sales next week. Mm-hmm. 
You can also sign up for our Patreon. Uh, $5 a month gets you two bonus shows from Todd and I. Uh, one, Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. S- the other, six never-seen movies. Todd assigns me six movies I've never seen. He assigns me six movies I've never seen. Did I say that right? I think so. I'm starting to get a little punchy. I apologize. The meds are no. starting to wear off. <laughs> yeah. Um, this month's offering is going to be a Polish vampire in Burbank. Yes. Which is Todd's offering. I think that's freely available on Tubi. Yes, or not Tubi. I don't know. That's the question. Claims it's the 25th anniversary DVD. Oof. (laughs) Anyway, um... Be sure to check those out, and also at the $5 level, you get After Dark like three days before everyone else, so you get to listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Another way to help us out is by making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon link at the top of our page. Uh, It does not cost you anything extra. Uh, Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week include somebody purchased the following Transformers Generation War for Cybertron Golden Disc Collection figures, uh, Jackpot with Sights, Terrorsaur, and Mutant Tigatron. Okay. Uh, I like to think that I know Transformers, but I think I'm a piker because I don't know nothing about these uh, these Transformers. I never heard any of these either. Mm-hmm. But thank you for purchasing them through uh, our click-through. I agree. And uh, somebody also purchased a pack of 12 assorted colored duct tapes uh, when you want to make uh, what's going on in your basement more festive. Yes, yes. And uh, one more thing, uh, every once in a while, Amazon does these bounties where you sign up for something, you fi- sign up for the free trial, whatever it is, and they give us some extra money. Uh, this month, uh, the bounty is on if you sign up, it's actually two, it's whether you sign up for the three-month free trial of Audible Premium Plus or Amazon Music Unlimited. Uh, you have to sign up for the free three the the free three month trial if you're eligible i don't know how you're eligible i'm sure you'll find out um but you could sign up on a monday cancel on a tuesday and we still get the bounty for that uh Mm -hmm. you sign up for the audible one we get five bucks you sign up for the amazon music one we get three bucks oh cool i don't know what makes you eligible for it but you know it's a way to help us out right and we greatly appreciate it if you do it Mm mm-hmm so, Todd, we had no art attacks this week. Is that correct? As of right now, no. Sadly. Uh, I know people going to some conventions this weekend. Maybe you're going to New York Comic Con. Get a commission. Pick up some uh, original art. Do something. Tag yep. Todd's art attack in it. And we'll share uh, whatever the piece you picked up is with the rest of the show. Right. And uh, I guess it's time to get into uh, TV talk, unless there's something I missed. I can't uh, pigskin pickums, but who cares about those? As you always say, um, make your picks. That's all I can say. Make sure you get them all. Uh, do it slowly and race to the win. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think last look, uh, you, uh, Todd, with your picks were in twelfth p- place. I was in thirty fourth place. Well, you're trying real hard, so 
I am. And this goes to show you how hard I'm trying. Did the Raiders win this week? No, they did not. Oh, the undefeated streak is over, sadly. Yes, it is. I had them going 17-0 and this season. Is that how many games they're playing this year? Yes, I had them at 17-0, and too, and they, they, ruined, they ruined the streak. Those, Makes me sad. Those, those Raiders, I tell you. Oh, and their rivalry with the other 35 teams in the league. I, I do know that they played the Chargers this week, and the Chargers absolutely are one of their 8 to 10 definite rivals. <laughs> and I know you love talking about football on this show, but because they played in Los Angeles, where the Raiders once played, and, you know, they're within driving distance to Oakland, and where they, where they used to be, and, you know, from Las Vegas, it was 90% Raiders jerseys in the Chargers stadium. It was weird. When the Raiders came out, they were cheered. And when the Chargers came out, they were booed. It's just like the night after WrestleMania, Joe. Were the announcers saying it's like a bizarro game? (laughs) Yep, yep. Sometimes they cheer the people they should hate, and sometimes they hate the people they should uh, cheer. Anyway. All right, let's get into uh, TV talk. Uh, you're going to kick things off with Stargirl, is that correct? Yes, I am, which is basically just pretty much two storylines, unless I'm mistaken. Um, and they both are Eclipso messing with both uh, Our Man and uh, Dr. Midnight Beth. Um, the episode starts off with, uh, is it, it's, it's Rick Tyler, right? No, Rex Tyler. Rex. Rex, I always get those mixed up. But Rex is at his house, the teacher. No, that again, I, I, my apologies. It is Rick. Okay, because Rex um, is his father. Yeah, Rex, or the, uh, and I see that's the thing. Rex is the uncle. Oh, okay. Who's the so, abuse? Uh, the, the uncle who's the abusive father. Yes. So uh, Rick uh, is at the house, and the teacher comes. She apologizes once again for cheating. Gives him all this information about going to college. Uh, Rex, the abusive uncle, comes out and is like, you're going to college? I don't think so. Throws the papers up in the air. And uh, that leads uh, Rick to go out into the woods to feed Solomon Grundy again. Takes a big thing of apples. And while he's out there, he has angst, Joe. He, he's tired of giving so much. Giving so much. Well, what he should be given is the Emmy for that acting, Joe. Our man, give our man the the Emmy for most angsty teenager in a superhero drama. But in that, um, Solomon Grundy comes out. He gives him the apples. He sits down. He tells Solomon all his problems. But he goes, you can't understand me. Um, and in the end, Solomon kind of taps him on the back. Uh, so like that he can kind of maybe understand him. Rick goes back to his car. And along the way, he hears that pesky bear has been you know near town again. So they're sending out hunters. He ends up going to uh, to find uh, Solomon Grundy and kind of save him. Um, and that's where we kind of – I'll get back to this in a little bit. Now Beth is being kind of the same thing. She's at home, and her parents come in, and they say it's time to talk about the divorce. And in, in it, they're like, let's sit down. We'll have some of these tasty Reuben sandwiches that I made. And they end up telling Beth, like, you're the reason we're getting divorced. And and there, there's like 
wiggling things and ma and, and things in the food. She throws it down and she leaves, which should give her a big hint that it's actually a Clipso. But uh, she runs off to, over to Beth uh, to Courtney's house, gets there, and little Bruce. Uh, is there the uh, whatever it is to Eclipso, and he ends up berating Beth, drops a few you peoples on her, which like took me aback, um, and ends up like taking her, making her see visions and saying like, well, you're not right for any of this. The JSA isn't, you're the wrong color, you're the wrong gender, you're the wrong age, and ends up like trying to tear her down, and she gets the goggles back off him, and she puts them on, makes him go away, and in it, uh, the other midnight, uh, Dr. Midnight comes and says, well, the goggles can stop the vision. So you really need to never take these off right now. And I'm stuck in the, the shadow verse or whatever. So you, you kind of got to help me. She ends up seeing her parents and they, they said, we never saw you. So it was like, okay, that was all Eclipso. Cutting back to uh, Courtney, she's at the house trying to get in touch with uh wildcat who's who leaves the the costume on her door um they get the call from rex that uh, or rick that he's out there they need their help they go out some hunters run into a rick and say that some the bears killed a girl he goes finds solomon grundy over the body of a young girl he's like did you kill her this is probably you know once again eclipso in my mind going off so he chases him Courtney and Pat find Rick at his house beating up uh, Solomon Grundy and uh, Courtney ends up shooting with the staff Rick instead of Solomon Grundy. And she says, it's, it's not Solomon Grundy. And this was the only part, like all the stuff I knew Beth's parents weren't real and all this stuff, but I did not see until the exact moment she says, that's not Solomon Grundy, that the whole time he's been beating up uh, his uncle and in it, he ends up taking off the hourglass and breaking it. And they end up taking it off to jail, taking him off to jail. So far taking wildcat out of the equation, taking out uh, uh, our man out of the equation. We still have Dr. Midnight, but Courtney's got a broken staff kind of a deal. So, uh, and all the while the weather's getting worse in uh, blue Valley. So did I miss anything? No, uh, so I'll, I'll have to say, um, I thought this episode did a much better job of Eclipso kind of playing with more than one person at once, so that we, the uh, viewer, also can kind of be along for the ride of what's going on with everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas, as soon as, like, the parents started accusing Beth that it's her fault, I'm like, okay, this is the fix, and then there's maggots in the Reuben, and you're just like, okay, now it's even, like, doubly done. Right. Um, I'm glad they put the scenes with the CGI Solomon Grundy and the actor who plays Rick Tyler together in the same right. s- spots. So one doesn't detract from the other. Right. Because they're equally as good. Yes. And uh, as you had mentioned before, when the little boy Bruce, who is Eclipso's surrogate. Yeah. Right. When he started being racist toward Beth, I was like, Oh, that's weird. Yep. And then he did it again, and she calls him out on it. I'm like, I guess that makes it okay. Well, uh, I'm not an Eclipso reader. I don't know how many Eclipso stories I've read. Is Eclipso a racist? See, I, I don't know if you're joking or not. I'm not joking. I don't know. Okay, see, I think 
Now, I didn't bring everything up during the Beth storyline. I, I really like this whole storyline because he ends up telling her, he's like, you're nothing but a fake smile. You know what I mean? And they cut back to how she hides behind the smile, all the flashbacks. I thought that was a really good scene. And in the end, maybe Eclipso is a racist. That, 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 that really doesn't matter in here. But uh, he's using everything he can on, uh, on uh, I can't think of the girl's name, who's Wildcat. He uses the guilt for killing Brainwave and Brainwave Jr. and uses that to get him out of the equation. He ends up, like, he doesn't have much against our man. So he ends up using a vision. He beats up his uncle, which he would never do. That gets him out of the way. He's taking the doubt that she's always had to live with that, you know, she's not, you know, of the superheroes. They were all white and they were all, you know, men and they were all, and he tries to get in. And I do like the fact that it's like, it doesn't work. Whether or not he's, like I said, racist or not, that was his angle and it didn't work. So that's the way I kind of. Okay, I get you, because um, it did make sense as things did go on, but it did feel a little out of place at the time, you know? Right, right. Yeah, because you don't want your villains being truly bad, you know? <sighs> it's what? not every day on a network television show that's based on a comic book that you see someone being overtly racist, you know? Well, sometimes the villains are right there. I hope he could. I hope when it's all over and they smite him, Joe, he's like, I was never, ra- I was evil. I murdered all those people, but I really didn't think, you know, I'm not really a racist and I'll be okay with it then. Okay. Right. So, but why the last man? Why the last man? Okay. Uh, so things, we're back to like our three story things going on, whatever, right? Right. And they kind of bounce around a bit, but let me do the, like two of them intersect. One of them does not so much. Right. So let's kind of deal with that one first. Uh, that's the one with, uh, Hero. When we saw her, uh, two episodes ago, uh, her and Sam are with the group that have kind of taken over the, um, you know, the Costco, what do they call it? Price Max or whatever it is, right? Right, Walmart. So it looks like they're living at least a good life. Maybe things are going to turn it around for them a bit. Uh, they've got a fully stocked pharmacy. They got food. They got water. They got places to sleep. All this sort of stuff going on, right? Right. Things look to be uh, going okay. Uh, however... They have an alarm system set up with some clangy pots if you trip some stuff. And there was a group uh, approaching, right? And uh, the lead woman uh, of this group, and again, I feel real bad as I'm going through my notes here. Uh, the lead girl uh, with them, right? Right. Uh, I don't know the name either off the top of my head, sorry. Yeah, I feel bad. Uh, Nora? Mm-hmm. Their name, maybe? I think so, because isn't the girl, the woman who was the president's aide, Mora? You know, with the daughter? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, No. And again, I'm kicking myself because I'm getting all these names mixed up, right? I think you're right that it is Nora. The daughter is Mackenzie. Um, Again, I'm not going to fix this. Let's just say the leader of the, the people at the grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, no, you guys can't come in. We already have enough people. Turn around. You're better off. The woman's like, take my daughter at least. 
you know, let her be safe. And she's like, no, you don't really mean that. You would never give up your daughter. Look at her. You're not going to give her up. And then they just kind of turn. Then they kind of just turn tail and run or leave or whatever it is. Right. So uh, there's stuff here where uh, a lot of the other women are starting to, you know, everyone. uh, So this episode has a lot of nudity in it, right? Yes, it does. Uh, if this was an HBO show, this would be something that people are like, oh, you know, it's a good show, I guess, but watch it for the nudity. But again, l- not unlike seeing such overt racism in a network television show about a comic book people, uh, it was odd to see so much nudity in a basic cable television show. Mm-hmm. Just don't get to, you don't get to see that that much these days. No, but I guess it's because it's under a paywall, you know, whatever. Sure, sure. Uh, so the other folks in this group are kind of explaining to Hero that, like, listen, you need to kind of let your life go. You need to kind of open up. And then we learn later when Hero is talking to the leader of the group that obviously the thing that Hero is holding on to is that guy that she killed right before everything kind of kind of went to hell. Right. And she tells Hero, it's like, well, you could leave that behind here. No one knows you can move past it, right? Mm-hmm. So while this is going on, uh, one of the other women uh, there, uh, what was her name? And again, I Kelsey. Kelsey. Yes. yes. So she goes up to Sam and she's kind of being a little bit like, uh, I don't want to say touchy, but she's kind of being a little bit more familiar with Sam than anyone else we've really seen be with anyone else in this show up to this point. And kind of like, oh, you know, get ready for tonight. Tonight there's going to be a funeral. It's like, what's going on? So uh, one of the women, uh, Laura, she they do this whole symbolic thing where she strips down. Everyone throws dirt on her. She gets into a bathtub. And as they're doing it, they're all saying goodbye, Laura. Goodbye, Laura. Goodbye, Laura. She goes into the tub. She comes out. And she says her new name now is Athena. And then everyone welcomes Athena. Yep. Uh, we learn from this and another interaction that Hero has with the leader of this group that these are the group that we're going to later come to know from the comic book as the Amazons. They take their cues and a lot of what they do and the way that they carry themselves as an all-women society from the Greek mythology of Amazons, not the Wonder Woman mythology of Amazons. Right, right. And uh, I just have to say that whole thing with the tub scene yes. kind of creeped me out because I didn't know what was going to – I thought she was actually going to, like, maybe slit her wrists or something like that. And I was watching it, like, because the whole, the whole like, tub bleed-out thing, that like, that the way people – like, that freaks me out to no end. So I was like, the whole time, I'm like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then it was when it was like, oh, okay, it's more like a, you know, a symbolic funeral. I was like – Okay, I feel much better. Much, much better. Now, I know we were taken a task a bit by a friend of the show, co-host of We Need Wrestling and Wings on Wings DJ, that mm. we couldn't tell him exactly what trade they're up to in the TV show yet. Right. Uh, one, I read these in single issues. Two, I read these in single issues some 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. And three, there's a lot of stuff that I just don't remember from the books. And I read this whenever the hardcovers came out. Uh, they were all out, and the bassist gate re- lent them all to me. 
Right. Um, because I was reading this, and I think I've told this story on here before, but I'll tell it again. Um, I read it a couple, you know, a couple issues in, and I just hated York so much I had to stop. So it was almost. I think the book might have been over by the time I got it, and I read it all in one shot, and I never read them again. So I couldn't tell you where stuff is, you know. Mm-hmm. But I know it was really, 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 really good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're back at wherever the president uh, is with everything that she has going on. The power struggle that we're seeing there. Um, Kimberly, the ex-president's daughter, who's kind of attempting to play both sides. And how she's also trying to... It's tough to figure out what Kimberly's true intentions are. Uh, Cause she's obviously very much against uh, Jennifer. She seems to be uh, looking at the other woman who came in from Israel uh, as more of someone that she could use to regain some sort of seat of power. But then when the instance comes up where she has the chance meeting in the hallway uh, with Christina, who's one of the president's aides, the one who's pregnant. And it's tough to see is sh- Kim using attempting to use whatever information she has over Christine that she's pregnant as leverage over her? Or is this actually like her maternal instincts kicking in with her lost her two kids and now sees Christine having a baby because she offers to take the baby from her? I think all the other stuff is dirtbag Kimberly kind of a deal. Uh huh. But I 100% believe she wants to raise that kid. Because she lost all her sons. Yes. And in it, she you know, she's right wing, whatever you want to call it. And this woman is talking about, like, I don't know if I want to keep this baby. And I'm not going to get into the politics of that. But you're like, we're a dying species right now. We need all the, you know, new stuff we can get. So, you know, like, can you get rid of this kid? But I do believe she 100%. She's like, don't do that. I will raise it. And... I, that's the only good point about Kimberly so far that I believe is that she legitimately cares about that baby, but in a very self-centered way, if you will, I don't know. Yeah. See, I don't buy her. I don't buy it. I, I I 100% believe that, but I even believe when she's talking to the, to the right wing person, who's really the president kind of a deal, she's totally working her because she bad mouthed her the whole time. Like, and even the, that 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 lady's like, yeah, like you called me shrill and you call me this and you call me that. And you're like, oh, well, you know, we're but enemies against, you know, friends against enemies kind of thing. So I don't know. Right. And of course, our main story uh, here is 355 attempting to get Yorick and Dr. Mann to San Francisco. Um, while they are going around, they stumble upon some sort of tribute, some sort of uh, ceremony uh, in the town where they are, where they're singing that Radiohead song. Mm-hmm. And while they're there, there's another person who is circulating a picture of 355 trying to find out who she is. Uh, 355 does a pickpocketing opportunity, gets the picture off of her. Uh, they go back to where their safe house is. Dr. Mann gets the picture and convinces York, or at least attempts to convince York, say, look, They're looking for her. They're not looking for us. She's not being honest with us. She doesn't care about us. We need to get away from her. Let's go. Um, And then as they're maybe figuring out what they're going to do, 
Yorick bumps into 355, who's sleepwalking, maybe? Yes. Um, And with that, of course, that's like, okay, uh, he brings that up to her in the next morning. 355 has a big blow up on the both of them. Um, which, again, in another great scene, that actress who plays 355, Ashley Romans, is unbelievable. Uh, I say she's unbelievable in the fact that everything that she does in the show, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes across with, like, believability and gravitas, and she's the best actress on the show. And that's with Diane Lane on here, who's, like, an Academy Award-winning actress, right? Mm-hmm. So as they, uh, Dr. Mann and York, are going to leave 355 as she is out setting traps while they stay still where they are, the people that were sent uh, by the incumbent president, not Jennifer, find them, say that we found, and I forget what they're I forget what 355's other name was, agent, whatever. Right, but it was a fake name that she's the using. Fake name, to, right. That's what they have. They're like, we have sights on her, and there's two other people with them. We don't know who the two other people are. Jennifer starts to get a little bit of hope, because I think at this point she thinks that both of her kids are dead, or at least missing at this point. Uh, as whatever group of military are about to descend on 355, Jennifer's like, well, why didn't you tell me if this is what you were planning? I'm the president. Well, we were on our way right over to tell you, and we didn't get a chance to. So that power struggle is going on there. Not that it matters. 355 takes them all down chastises Yorick and Dr. Man and is like, kind of, we need to stick together. Yep. I like the bit where 355 tells Dr. Man is like, I won't tell you how to run your laboratory when we get to San Francisco, as long as you don't tell me how to keep him safe. Like that was a good bit. But then I like the fact that 355 takes out the two agents, but the third one sees Yorick mm-hmm. and she ends up asking Yorick, like, did he, did she see you? And he's like, no, no, no. And 355 is having none of it. And he ha- and he, she pulls out the knife and he's like, oh, you're going to kill him? He's like, no, we're going to cut off their laces and take their, like, bust up their boots so it'll slow them down walking. But I do have a feeling that at some point 355 is going to try and off the one that saw your man. Uh-huh. Yep, you know, but I'm with you. Um, now that scene where she has the dream a few episodes earlier and she's standing on the edge of the cliff. Yeah. Is that she she is sleepwalking. And I don't remember that from the comic. Neither do I. So new stuff happening. Again, not to say that it's not in there, but it wasn't as prevalent in the comic as it is in a TV show. Right. I don't remember it at all. But like I said, it's been a while. Yes. Uh, so I'm still enjoying the show. And uh, I like the bit. So we, I didn't mention this with Stargirl. So all this stuff that's going on in Stargirl with Eclipso there, it's making the town like cold and rainy and now maybe going to start to snow. Right. But this is all taking place in the summertime. Right. Because it was July 4th, actually. The fireworks yes. were going up. And it makes me feel that when the town gets cold enough, Icicle will be able to reform. Oh, that's an interesting plot. I like that. Be- I like that be- idea. Because he gets hit by the truck and shatters. Yeah. But now it's summer. So does he, I, I don't know, but that's just kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. But don't you think they should put out a single of that, that uh, acoustic like choir Radiohead song? No. No, you don't think so? I'm okay. I think they're gonna, there's going to be a Why the Last Man soundtrack. And, uh, and did you see the name of this episode? Yes. Weird Al is dead. Yes. Cause they mentioned Weird Al. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, when you think about in this, uh, why the last man world, like all the guys that are dead, you know? 
So I did, uh, you know, when I was getting my notes and everything together last week, I saw that that was the episode title. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if Weird Al is going to be like in the episode or like well, how that's going to tie in. And then when I woke up on Monday, I saw Weird Al had tweeted out like a screenshot of like the image on his like Hulu or whatever it was. <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. So. So I think that's it. I think that's all we got, right? Yep. That's so, everything. Yeah. So again, truncated show as much as it could be truncated, but uh, I think we still gave you uh, your money's worth, which is right. free. Uh, you know, we'll charge you double next time. <laughs> and uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Uh, episode 575, Longbox Heroes, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.